0: This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA
1: specialist.
2: Good morning, in today's headlines, the Department of Justice plans to have workers monitoring today's elections. However, not everyone is open to the idea.
3: Democrats make a final push for the finish line with rallies in several states. President Biden predicts his party will keep control of the Senate, but expects the House to be tough. We have highlights from yesterday's events.
2: Kerry Lake visits the southern border to discuss the impact of the unfinished wall. She speaks about her plans for border security.
3: Former President Donald Trump took a trip to Ohio yesterday to lend a hand to U.S. Senate candidate J.D. Vance. He says he's got an announcement to make next week.
2: And Elon Musk tweets an endorsement of a Republican Congress. A successful entrepreneur is calling for a balance of power.
3: Good morning, welcome to NTD, I'm Kevin Hogan.
2: I'm Evelyn Lee. Good morning. It's Election Day this Tuesday morning, November 8th. Yes, today is the day and workers from the Department of Justice plan to monitor voting in 24 states. The agency said workers will watch voters in Alaska, Florida, Pennsylvania and 21 other states to ensure compliance with federal laws. In an announcement on Monday, the agency said the monitoring will comply with federal voting rights laws, including the Voting Rights Act. It will also receive complaints regarding possible violations of voting laws throughout its call center, through its call center, I should say. Workers will ensure that statutes that prohibit voter intimidation and voter suppression are not being violated. The agency said since 1965, its civil rights division has regularly monitored elections to protect the rights of voters. But not everyone is on board with the plan. Cole County in Missouri rejected the DOJ's offer.
3: And Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft supported the move, saying the DOJ's actions were an overreach. Democratic candidates made a final push at rallies across the country yesterday. After months of buildup, it's finally come down to election day, and today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the final appeals made by Democrats on Monday. Tough times call
4: for tough people.
5: Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer is seeking another four-year term. She held a rally on the Michigan State University campus Monday night with fellow Democratic candidates. Together, they urged people to get out and vote.
4: I want you to think of 10 people that you're going to text tomorrow and say, Have you voted? And how can I help? You got that?
5: Whitmer appealed to students in attendance to not only vote, but encourage their classmates to as well.
4: The people you go to class with, the people you love, the people in your family, we got to make sure they get out and vote. This is a crucial moment in our state.
5: The incumbent governor is facing Trump backed challenger Tudor Dixon. The winner could influence state voting laws and how the 2024 election is conducted.
4: You
1: understand what's at stake, right? This is like a big freaking deal.
5: Over in Nevada, U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg stumped for incumbent Senator Catherine Cortez Masto. Some folks are thinking, look, this high-minded stuff about rights and freedoms and democracy in the future sounds great, but uh, right now bacon is $9, so we've got to talk about cost of living issues. So let's talk about cost of living issues. But Cortez Masto sounded today, tomorrow, confident of winning her re-election bid.
4: Because we know when we turn our voters out, when we vote, we, we win. win. When we vote, we win. Absolutely.
5: But her race against Trump-endorsed challenger Adam Laxalt has been close. The seat held by Cortez Masto is seen as one of the most likely to flip. Democrats are also facing a tight Senate challenge in New Hampshire. Retired Army General Don Bolduc has been giving incumbent Senator Maggie Hassan a run for her money. Both candidates held campaign events on Monday. Senator, this is what granite staters look like. Hassan is considered one of the more vulnerable Democrats since her narrow win in 2016. During her campaign, she has highlighted her work on the bipartisan infrastructure law President Biden signed last year, and the CHIPS Act meant to boost the American semiconductor industry in August.
4: People are concerned about inflation, they're concerned about their individual rights, and they're concerned about democracy.
5: Bulldock served 10 tours in Afghanistan and commanded special forces in Africa. The retired general defeated 10 Republican opponents in the primary. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
3: And President Biden made an appearance in Maryland last night. Biden was there to support gubernatorial candidate Wes Moore. Democrats hope Moore will reclaim the Republican-held governor's seat. Biden also made his final pitch for Democrats before the election. He was interrupted during his speech by a handful of protesters. Biden says he's optimistic about Democrats' chances and is predicting that his party will surprise a lot of people on Election Day. Here's what the president had to say. Remember, the power's in your hands. You're
0: one of the reasons why I've never been more optimistic about America's future. Look, America's reasserting ourselves, leading the world in the 21st century. As I've traveled this country and the world, I see great nation because I know we're a good people. This
3: election is not a referendum, it's a choice. It's a choice between two very different visions of America. Reporters questioned Biden when he returned to the White House after last night's event. The president gave a blunt assessment of his party's chance to retain control of both the House and Senate. Biden says he thinks Democrats will win the Senate, but the House will be tougher. As to what governing will be like if Republicans take the House, Biden says it will be more difficult. The president's late campaign strategy has been to stick mostly to party strongholds. He's opted not to stump in more competitive territory where control of Congress may ultimately be decided. President Biden's approval rating has slumped in recent months. He's now sitting at 39 percent in the latest Reuters Ipsos poll.
2: And in a final push before the midterm elections, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis campaigned in Hialeah, Florida yesterday. Meanwhile, Kerry Lake, the Republican candidate for governor of Arizona, held a rally in a church in Phoenix. Entity's Daniel Monaghan has that story. So, are you ready to go out and get us a big election victory?
6: DeSantis highlighted his record of keeping Florida open during the COVID epidemic. He says Florida was the number one U.S. destination for international tourism in 2021 with 45 percent of inbound travelers. On taxes, DeSantis promised relief next year for commuters with a 50 percent road toll reduction. He then outlined planned savings for families.
5: For families, we're going to do permanent Tax free, all baby items, diapers, wipes, clothes, strollers, cribs, tax
6: free. Don't want you to have to pay taxes on that. While referencing this year's national testing results, he said Florida students ranked third in the nation in grade four reading and fourth in grade four mathematics. DeSantis also discussed the CDC's recent adding of the COVID vaccine to the children's vaccine schedule, promising that any COVID vaccine for kids would be a matter of choice as long as he is governor. Out in Arizona, Carrie Lake had a question for those in attendance.
2: If we won't stand up at this moment and protect our children, who the heck will, guys?
6: Lake accused her opponent, Katie Hobbs, of sponsoring legislation to begin sex education in kindergarten. She says it is essential to get what she calls groomers out of schools. On education, Lake called for a dual-track plan. Her vision is that after 10th grade, students will choose either a path towards university or a vocational school. On crime and homelessness, she called for tough love.
2: God did not envision any one of us living on the street with a needle in our arm. Lake Masters.
6: MEANWHILE, AT THE SAME RALLY, REPUBLICAN SENATE CANDIDATE BLAKE MASTERS DISCUSSED THE FENTANYL CRISIS. HE SAYS THAT 2,000 YOUNG PEOPLE HAVE DIED IN ARIZONA IN THE PAST 12 MONTHS DUE TO FENTANYL OVERDOSES. MASTERS THEN CRITICIZED THE BIDEN ADMINISTRATION FOR SOARING INFLATION. WHAT'S THE SECOND THING THAT BIDEN CANCELLED RIGHT AFTER THE BORDER WALL? THE PIPELINE. WHY WOULD YOU DO THAT? He also blamed Senator Mark Kelly for rubber stamping Biden policies that he says have doubled prices at the gas pump and made everything else more expensive. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
3: Republican candidate for Arizona Governor Carrie Lake visited the U.S.-Mexico border to discuss border control. Joining her were U.S. Senate candidate Blake Masters and sheriffs from two local counties. NTD's Flinders Kingsley has the story.
7: Carrie Lake says she intends to finish the border wall started in the Trump era. The former news anchor says to do this, she will suspend environmental rules, among other approaches.
3: We're going to do a number of things. For starters, we're going to take back this material here. You, our legislature is going to declare it basically abandoned federal property, and we're going to take it back and start
2: constructing President Trump's wall. We're going to fight for the containers that Governor Ducey has put here.
7: Lake says after being apprehended, illegal immigrants will be returned back across the border. She says finishing the wall will slow down illegal immigration. Cochise County Sheriff Mark Daniels said the quality of life in his county has been eroded due to the lack of a secure border.
1: President Biden stopped that border's construction, stopped this border, froze it in time since he took office 20 months ago. So we have infrastructure, it's not complete. We have holes in the fence behind us. As a result, the cartels have victimized this county, have victimized this country having an open border.
7: Blake Masters says securing the border should be the top priority and that leverage should be used in the Senate to bring attention to the problem. Look, we need to overhaul our legal immigration system in this country, but that's not even a conversation to have until we secure this border, until we stop the absolute glut of illegal immigration coming in. We're talking 300,000 illegals cross this border every single month. The Federation for American Immigration Reform says since President Biden took office in 2020, more than 5.5 million migrants have crossed the southern border illegally. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News.
2: Former President Donald Trump was in Ohio yesterday. <clears throat> he spoke at a rally to drum up support for Senate candidate J.D. Vance and Governor Mike DeWine in a last push before the midterm elections. Trump opened the rally by highlighting border issues and crimes committed by illegal immigrants. He later called for the death penalty for drug dealers and human traffickers. He claimed that an average drug dealer is responsible for We're 500 American down. deaths. He criticized the Biden administration's administration for what he called begging for oil from countries such as Venezuela and Saudi Arabia, this while not utilizing domestic energy sources. He then addressed all citizens appalled by what he called the radical left's lawlessness and corruption. He said that the midterm elections are a chance to make their voices heard.
6: This is the year we're going to take back the House, we're going to take back the Senate, And we're going to take back America. And in 2024, most importantly, we are going to take back our magnificent White House. I'm going to be making a very big announcement on Tuesday, November 15th, at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida.
2: U.S. Senate candidate J.D. Vance held a nine-point edge in a recent Emerson College poll. That's his largest in any survey this cycle.
3: Meanwhile, Governor Mike DeWine holds a 20% lead over Nan Whaley. And coming up, Elon Musk offers some advice for voters in today's elections. The business magnate and investor is calling for a balance of power in Congress. And one group that has the potential to shape today's election is white suburban women. We take a look at what issues they are focusing on as they vote today. So stay tuned right here on NTD Good Morning. Welcome back. Elon Musk tweeted out some advice for voters in today's election. The Twitter chief says since the White House is occupied by Democrats, independent-minded voters should vote for a Republican Congress. He tweeted that shared power curbs the worst excesses of both parties. He went on to say he would be open to voting Democrat in the future. the, The Twitter thread concluded with the billionaire stating that independents decide elections as hardcore Republicans and Democrats will not change their party affiliation. Musk's endorsement comes as little surprise. Earlier this year, he posted a cartoon showing Democrats moving to the left, which put him closer to conservatives. In May, he said he could no longer support Democrats and would vote Republican.
2: And as we know, the party that wins the House of Representatives picks the Speaker. In CNN exclusive interviews, Representatives Kevin McCarthy and Nancy Pelosi made their pitches to voters and, for the first time, Speaker Pelosi said the attack on her husband could affect her decision.
0: Control of the U.S. House is on the line today, and the winning party will have the power to pick the House Speaker.
6: If we win the majority, I'll run for Speaker.
0: Representative Kevin McCarthy of California's minority leader House. now. Here's what the Republican says he would do in the top job.
6: First thing we're gonna do is make sure an economy that's strong. I think the first thing you'll see is a, um, a bill to control the border first. The first thing I'll ask the president not to call half the nation idiots.
0: INCUMBENT HOUSE SPEAKER NANCY PELOSI GAVE THIS MESSAGE TO VOTERS LAST NIGHT.
7: A VOTE TOMORROW IS A VOTE TO DEFEND OUR DEMOCRACY.
0: FOR THE FIRST TIME, SHE HAS OPENED UP ABOUT THE ATTACK ON HER HUSBAND, OCTOBER 28th. SHE SAYS SHE WASN'T THERE WHEN THE INTRUDER BROKE INTO THEIR HOME, BECAUSE SHE WAS SLEEPING IN WASHINGTON.
7: I HEAR THE DOORBELL RING AND THINK, it's five-something, and I'm thinking my
0: children, my grandchildren. David Pap is charged with attempted murder for the attack. He has pleaded not guilty. For me, this is really the hard part because
7: Paul was not the target, and he's the one who's paying the price. Asked if she'll retire if Democrats lose the House. I have to say my decision will be affected about what happened the last week or two.
2: I'm Amy
0: Kiley reporting.
2: We've already zoomed in on the top concerns among black and Hispanic voters. Another group that has a potential to shape this election are white suburban women. They helped create the blue wave in the last midterms. I found out how things are looking today. We're bringing in Tamara Farah for more. She is a senior advisor for Parents Know Best. Good morning, Tamara.
4: Good morning. Good to be with you. It's
2: really great to have you because obviously you're in contact with a lot of parents. So I want to know about suburban college-educated moms. In the last midterms, they were very significant. And uh, this midterm election, they are considered to be swing voters. Now, I want to know from you, where do you think their vote is going?
4: Yes, well, you know, first of all, that Wall Street Journal poll that you are referencing, Um, you know, their biggest concern and why they've moved 27 percentage points away from Democrats since August, which is mind-blowing. But they're, they're, you know, really concerned about the economy and inflation. And that really, those really are the top two issues in this election. However, when you look at p- the polling of parents, and we know there's at least a considerable percentage of suburban women that are parents or probably have school-aged children, so we know that this is is a very big deal. And I and I agree with the GOP that the parental rights in education uh, concern is a sleeper issue in these midterms. So, just want to share with you a few polls on that. Uh, you know, education used to take a backseat really in in most uh, races, and we are seeing that a Harris poll shows 83% of voting parents say it is more important to them now, and even the National Parent Union poll, and they are, you know, they they are center left, but they, you know, they did a, they did a fair poll, and that poll indicated 82% of parents say they are extremely likely to vote in this election, reflecting their desire for change. Um, parents are very concerned. 62% of them that schools are, uh, you know, whether or not they have the ability to provide a quality education for the kids, um, quality teaching, quality and in instruction. I would say I'd love to see some studies done on how much time is being spent on woke cultural issues rather than good old fashioned academics. Um, ACT scores are the worst in 30 years. I mean, this is mind blowing. These are the lives of the future leaders in this country. Um, Things are not looking good in education. So, apart from education, what are some of the other top concerns that parents tell you about? You know, it really is education. And and when you look at another poll by Heritage Foundation, um, it speaks to the curriculum, as I just alluded to that a minute ago. Uh, So they polled voters uh, in battleground states and parents there, and including independents, and they don't want schools teaching children below fourth grade about sex. Kind of like the, a law that just uh, passed this last year in Florida. That's where people want to see things go: sexual preferences or gender identity, and that it should be instead left up to the parents to discuss those topics. So I think. I think this is what we're seeing. More and more people are understanding uh, the, you know, again, the woke agenda in schools around SOGI, sexual orientation, gender identity. Um, And there's, I mean, there's a lot of stories too coming out, very disturbing, heartbreaking stories. Our family knows of a young woman who shot herself in the face committing suicide over gender confusion. Uh, a, A child in Florida attempted suicide in the school bathroom. And her parents didn't even know she was having gender confusion. But this was pressure is coming from uh, the teachers in the classroom. Well, let's see and find out. Well, thank you so much for your uh,
2: insights, Tamara Farah. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having
4: me. It was great to be with you.
2: Coming up, a family that doesn't let difficulties stop them. They are determined to show the world to their son despite the challenges it brings and also help other parents in the process. And the Houston Astros' second World Series title was celebrated by more than a million fans in downtown Houston. We'll have the details when we return.
3: The city of Houston paid tribute to the Houston Astros with a victory parade Monday, celebrating the World Series champions. NTD's Flinders Kingsley has the story.
7: After the Houston Astros defeated the Philadelphia Phillies four to one in game six of the World Series on Saturday, Houston had something to smile about. A victory parade of over a million people lined up along Houston's Smith Street.
6: It's super exciting though for the Astros to be world world champ. So. The first time uh, was a couple years ago, so this is just something super special to see it again. Get rid of all that hate from all the other people in the, in the United States and we're just loving this vibe
2: here in Houston.
7: The win marks Houston's second World Series title. The baseball heavyweights made it to the World Series four times in the last six seasons. The success of the team has made Houston a baseball town
4: team has been fighting for since 17 to get back to where we are today and I'm just so glad for our, our, our team, for the city, for the fans. It's just an amazing experience to be back here.
7: If there wasn't enough to celebrate already, the World Series most valuable player went to rookie shortstop Jeremy Pena, the first ever rookie to win the award in Major League Baseball history. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News.
2: Next, we have a story about loving parents. Their son is disabled, but they are determined to show him the world anyway. He's now enjoying adventures across the U.S. on his dad's back. The family has inspired and helped many other parents of disabled children as well along the way.
0: Robbie Cook was diagnosed with a rare form of epilepsy as an infant. He suffers from daily seizures, is nonverbal, and is cognitively delayed.
5: I think it's important to slow down. Um, Slow down, take your time, enjoy the small moments, the small milestones um, with a disabled child.
0: Traveling and hiking have become the family's main activity. His mom has carried him in kinder packs since he was just one year old. But with Robbie outgrowing what the mom of three could physically carry, Robbie's dad, TJ, stepped in to take his wife's place. The couple had a normal pregnancy with Robbie, who was born full term at 39 weeks.
1: Raising Robbie, we've learned to be flexible, um, to plan things, and he has such a good attitude towards life. Like, he can have three seizures in a row, and be stuck in a hospital for a week, and he's still smiling and giggling, and just wakes up every day and chooses happy. So for us, I mean, the first few years were so hard, and we were so sad all the time, and then we were like... If he's happy and he's content in this life, all we can do is just be happy too and just try to kind of jump on his train.
0: When Robbie was six months old, he had a seizure at home and was rushed to the ER. He was put on medication and sent home. But three months later, the little boy had his second seizure. Further testing revealed infantile spasms and Robbie was put on 10 different medications as well as a high protein diet for the course of the next year. But sadly, no amount of information or treatment stopped Robbie's seizures.
1: Tomorrow's never promised. And I think that that's something when you have a medically complex child and you talk to doctors and like we were told he would probably would make it past five. Um, with daily seizures the way they are, he's at an increased risk for SUDEP, um, which is essentially, it's kind of like SIDS for people with epilepsy. It's sudden unexpected death in epilepsy. It generally happens in sleep. Um, So we knew that his tomorrow was never promised.
0: In the past two years, the family has visited 13 states and 27 national parks, but accessible travel isn't easy and takes a lot of planning. Robbie's parents schedule their visits around appointments, medical supply deliveries and prescription refills. Documenting their adventures, the family hopes to show both their good and their hard times.
1: So I think that with our social media, we've started to build a community of other medical parents that are in all different stages. Not only us, but other families, we're utilizing and I'll ask a question and everybody answers.
0: The videos have amassed inspiring reactions on social media. They've created and grown a community of parents in a similar situation to theirs and have been a massive source of inspiration for others caring for special needs children.
2: That's awesome. The family actually got a camper from a children's charity that helps children with critical illnesses. Now they plan to see as many places as possible with it.
3: Yes, and Robbie's mother said she wants Robbie to see all that the world has to offer, and they're planning to push any limitations for as long as they can.
2: And because they need to bring a large amount of supplies, the camper usually actually turned out to be a really convenient solution. Because as you can imagine, accessible travel isn't easy and takes a ton of planning.
3: Oh yeah, and the family intends to blog all the locations they visit and share the information with other parents of disabled children.
2: Wow, that's amazing. Well, what can I say? There is really no limit to a parent's love. And that's where we're wrapping today. NTD will have a special coverage on the election starting 6.30 Eastern, so tune in for that. And as usual, feel free to write us at goodmorning at NTD.com. Thanks for watching. I'm
3: Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.